Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Yo, we're back. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I turned it down so it wasn't super obnoxious. Um, Hi. Yeah, we're back. Um, took last week off for a couple different reasons. Um, and we will get into one of those in a second. But Marissa, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, last week was pretty busy for me work-wise, but also lots going on in the world. So... Uh, we're sorry we weren't here for you, but uh, at least when it comes to loyal, there wasn't much to talk about. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Had a um, an interesting day. So my first period class, I think my kids roll out of bed and don't turn on their cameras when they're in class early in the morning. <laughs> so I think I had like 30 something students in one of my classes and there are more cameras on right now in this podcast then we're on in the class. Wow. And yeah, it just gets a little frustrating, but you also like you ask them to turn their cameras on, but like you don't, I can't, I don't require it because some kids yeah. home life might not be the best. They might have a bunch right. of distractions. Right. Some of them are really self-conscious about, you know, the way they look on the camera. So they get anxious and nervous mm -hmm. and we don't want, I don't want, I was like, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. Right. Uh, so I make myself a little bit uncomfortable um so they yeah. can be comfortable yeah that's an interesting dynamic that you know i think a lot of business owners and adults had that same anxiety when the pandemic first first came about and right. now it's now it's on the children so my best wishes for you managing that i know that's a lot to manage you're now a tech person and and a teacher <laughs> yeah that first week was a lot of no 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 we're going into zoom here's the link no no no. you have to you have to go to the app but what are we and so yeah i was it was like it for a week um yeah but i know that there's some teachers in the loyal circle that are are going through a lot of the same stuff mm -hmm. uh parents are dealing with the same issues because i'm sure they're just as frustrated as the kids because right. i'm sure every one of us has a different platform that they're using so it's kind of a hot mess right now, yeah. Um, but I think we're all in this boat together. I told the kids like I'm gonna model mistakes because I'm gonna make plenty of them. So yeah, that's um, good. Hopefully, you'll model models makes it easier for you to make mistakes, and that's how right. we learn. Right. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. Do you use the sound machine in your classes? Um, no, but I did at one of my union meetings because I seconded an emotion, and they're like, "That was the least." <laughs> That was the least exciting second ever. And I was like, all right. And so the next time I seconded it, I was like, second. And it, you know, broke up, broke up the meeting. But, you know, um, lots of things juggling, lots of things in the air. Yes. Um, lots of news coming out of Loyal between the last time we talked. We've signed like 18 players, it seems like. Yes, exactly. Um, T two weeks worth of news for us. So. Yes. Um, I know we talked last time about Para being out. Um, Joe Greenspan is did not travel with the team, uh, mm. but he has been training, so we know he's getting close. But again, like you don't want him going out unless he's 100%. Uh, 
right. Grant Stoneman, Emma Clementa, Salzizo have been doing a, a pretty good job out there. So there's no reason to, reason to rush him back. Uh, but we had kind of a, we signed a guy and they're playing. Um, and that's Miguel Berry. Yeah. He's, uh, he started, um, he's a Sandy, he's from Poway, right? So yeah. what they would say, East County. <laughs> I don't know if that's true though. Um, yeah, he's San Diego native, played, played at USD. Um, played, did he play the full match? I, I don't recall. Uh, no, he got subbed off, but yeah. I, I think he gave as much as he possibly could to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't give the, didn't get the full 90 out of him, but, um, not sure exactly maybe where his fitness level was at, um, getting thrown into a new team. He was running a lot. Um, we'll talk about the OC game in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a name that people were excited about when loyal for, or when loyal first started. Mm-hmm. Um, as are we going to sign him? Are we going to sign him this like nationally recognized player? I think he went seventh in the draft to Columbus. So there was a lot of hype around him. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, MLS players don't always start. Sometimes they get loaned out. And um, so there was always that, will he, won't he? And then when nothing mm-hmm. really happened, it was like, ah, he's probably settling in there. He's, he's probably going to get some time. Uh, but it looks like, you know, he came back. Uh, he took probably the same flight John Kempen took. Uh, but we get, <laughs> you know, a local, another local San Diego guy to play, put on the, the kit and wear the crest and go out there and do a mm-hmm. job. Um, go ahead. So what? we, oh, you, did you have something to add about Miguel? No, Barry? no, no, no. I'm, I like, um, I was listening to Jar- Jordan and Darren's pre-show and they were like, mm-hmm. Miguel Barry. So <laughs> we'll have to ask him if it's Miguel or Miguel. I mean, cause we're all saying pretty much that. So. I don't know. I mean, I'd, I, I'm interested to get to know him. I mean, he's playing for Loyal. Mm-hmm. He's got the San Diego connection. So, um, you know, I'm all about people and stories and stuff, in addition to what's on the field, you know, of, right. of course. But, right. um, yeah, I, I definitely want to. I'm excited to see new players, new faces. As much as I love love the guys on the field, you know, we needed right, to change right. something up. <laughs> so well, I, just, I just learned that um, – the coach of Orange County isn't Cloutier, it's Cloutier or Cloutier. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was actually started by the soccers. They wanted to make him fancier. So uh, mince pronouncing names in the USL is a thing, like Frederick Dew, for a goalkeeper right. for Orange County as well. Um, I think there's a player who switched names in the middle of a season last year, mm-hmm. and he like got married and took his wife's name. But like on all of the press stuff, it was his old name. Uh, Interesting. Mispronouncing in USL. Um, <laughs> is some is a tradition, a well honored tradition. So if it ends up not being Miguel Barry, um, he'll yeah. still fit right in line with the rest of them. Um, yeah. Did all the new guys travel to Vegas today? Um, I believe someone asked uh, that on the Twitter machines, um, and uh, the reply was kind of a sly, smirky face. Um, I they might have flown with the team. Obviously, the press release said um, pending league and federation approval. So I think they're waiting to make an official statement whether or not they'll play uh, if they become eligible or not. And the press release um, states that these players are uh, pending uh, league approval. Um, 
and they'll join the remainder of 2020. So they might have traveled with the team in hopes that they might get some minutes. Uh, but as of right now, it hasn't been um, official. Uh, yes, we do have a rather large roster, but there are no uh, roster restrictions as far as numbers. Um, I believe I counted um, earlier, and with the three new signings, I think we're at 29. Um, so there might be, um, obviously, that's a lot. You can only play 11, and you can only dress 18, I believe, uh, to have 29. But you got to remember, uh, Para's been injured. Uh, Spencer's been kind of in and out. Uh, so you got a couple of these guys who might be fighting some injuries, Joe Greenspan. So you're down to, you know, maybe a 24 roster traveling uh, with 18 getting into the um, the lineup and then 11 or 11 plus five. I can do math. 16 players 16. possible. Yeah. Um, so with that 16 subs, you want as many op options as possible. Um, I'm curious to see where these guys end up. Uh, so the three that we signed, um, I'm going to announce them in the, a different order than the team did because I want to yeah. build out of the back, um, you know, as yeah. opposed to starting with the striker. Uh, the first is uh, Tarek Morid. Um, he comes – he's a pretty good lineage in the USL. Uh, he played um, – he started in USL League 2 with the OC Blues, so yet another OC Blues slash LA Blues slash Orange County connection. Uh, but he spent three really solid years uh, with Lou City or Louisville City at the time, but Lou City, 2015 to 2017. Um, scored a couple goals, uh, made uh, at least 20 appearances in each season, um, and then went to the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is another um, really good um, team to be a part of. He won the USL Cup in 2017. So another veteran, USL veteran defender. Um, I think this is a solid uh, pickup. Uh, it's not going to be like light on, you know, you're you're not going to hype this up on the Twitter machines like this is the best signing ever. But I think this is a solid signing. A um, who is it rooting for on Saturday? Um, I, I I'll share you that some of the text messages I sent to the OC guys is very clear. <laughs> it was rooting for San Diego to win. There were some expletives. <laughs> Uh, there was some calling out terrible calls, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, yes. But Tarek Morid is a solid defender. Um, Grant Stoneman's kind of collecting yellow cards right now. Um, and that was always my fear is Grant Stoneman getting to that yellow card, um, racking them up, and then who do we have to take his place? I think this just gives us some depth. Um, anything you want to add about um, the defensive signing? No, I mean, uh, I'm. We'll hope we see them. Uh, we need some. I don't think our defense was that bad, so we'll see with him. Um, maybe I mean, it's because Joe's out. I don't know. Joe's out. I think Stoneman's been playing a lot. Clementa's been playing a lot. Sal Zizzo's mm -hmm. been playing a lot, and it might just be managing some minutes. Right. Because uh, that was the thing going into the season was uh, Sal was not going to be an everyday starter. He was right. gonna. They were gonna manage his minutes, and he's been playing a lot. And so, just getting an extra guy for that back line uh, is right. gonna be huge, uh, especially down um, if you can make a push to the playoffs. Um, so the next signing is midfielder uh, Alejandro Guido, and coming from through Cholos through LAFC. Uh, I know 
Jerry's probably really excited about this signing. Um, I actually, this isn't the, the sexy signing, if you will. That's the next one. Um, but I, I think what he brings to this team is a really solid midfield presence. Yeah. Um, I know he's had some injury issues, which means his stats don't look great on paper. Um, but he has some good pedigree. Uh, he's, you know, played for the national team. Uh, he's played, I mean, he hasn't played for LAFC yet. Um, sorry, I'm typing and I can't do two things at <laughs> well, once because my brain is fried. Yeah, go ahead. I, I remember him from the Cholos when he mm -hmm. was on that team. Um, and he was there for a, quite a while. So I think what he also brings is the, a little bit higher, uh, um, higher level of uh, competitiveness mm -hmm. um, just because he was playing for the Cholos. Um, and maybe even, I don't know, he didn't get minutes, but I wonder if like how much he had access to just like playing with LF, practicing with LF, LAFC. So yeah, that's and pretty um, cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many, you know, how many minutes these, the other guys on the team have with like higher level clubs. I mean, obviously there's so many different times they can play with these, you know, either the national team or MLS clubs. So I'm sure he'll bring that um, with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that playing, playing on a national team is like <laughs> not, it's like, it's fine, especially in some off years. It's like, you know, you're getting some looks, but the fact that you're getting looks on a national team means yeah. that you're good enough to get looks in a national team. Right. Um, Tarek Morid's uh, LA born, uh, went to Chino Hills High School. So he's another local guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Alejandro is uh, born in San Diego. Uh, yeah. Chula Vista, I think. Yes, he um, went to Modern Day. So he's South Bay guy. So again, we're, we're finding these talented players. And I think just mm -hmm. autumn, like just, all around good dudes that are also local guys. Right. Um, and I, he's played at pretty much every level, the national, you know, youth national team, um, Tijuana, 33 appearances, no goals. Um, and our friend of the pod, Cesar, uh, said that this is the one that he's the most excited about. Uh, yeah. he says he knows that Rubio is, um, gonna get, the most love because it's the most recognizable of the three names. Um, but he's a local kid, kid in parentheses. Um, and I think he's just going to get some more depth. Um, he said more behind the scenes work, DM, CM, maybe a, a, to spell Adams a little bit. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he fits in. We've been talking about formations. Who knows what it's going to look like? There might be a new formation on uh, on tomorrow night. And then the last player that we signed um, is Washington Spirits Tegan McGrady's boyfriend. Um, that's how I'm going to introduce him since usually it's like, he's a, this is a JJ Julie Watts Ertz. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah or uh, Zach Ertz wife, uh, Julie Ertz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Washington Spirits, uh, I believe she plays left back, uh, Tegan McGrady. Uh, they're dating. His name is Rubio Rubin. Uh, if you again another Sholos, uh, interesting bit of information is he will now have played for both Landon Donovan and uh, Diego Maradona, so that's quite a that's quite a uh, a coach list to right. play under. Um, it might be interesting to get try to get some stories from him um, 
because mm-hmm. he played for Dorados, which is kind of like the Cholos. They're owned by the same people. I don't know if it's like a two-team. It's not really because I think they've had more success in their league than Cholos had. Um, but uh, Rubin's from Oregon. He's the non-local of um, the bunch. He usually plays more of a wing player than necessarily a striker. Um, more of a forward, if you will, uh, than a striker. But he spent some time over in Europe. Uh, came back to played some Copa MX, uh, just like our um, Alejandro. So I'm excited to see where these guys fit in. Um, anything you want to add about Rubio? No, no. I mean, I think um, I guess I wasn't expecting all the announcements today. So that's kind of nice to get that bombardment of uh, new things. And um, if that will help us score more goals, then go for it. You know, I think they're there, almost there. It's just that, like we say every time, you know, just more goals, please. Let's try to get there. I don't know if this will happen. Oh, yay. We have Chris now. Chris is here. Hi, Chris. Hey, what's going on? Not much. How are you? Doing good, man. Just experimenting with these pro wrestling angles like Alan uh-huh. likes. <laughs> can can you can you, my arm is raised? Can you see it from this angle, or yes. should, yes. should I should I flip the camera and give Uh-oh. you that? Uh oh! <laughs> <laughs> wow, camera tricks. That, that's that's awesome. Um, we just talked about all the new signings that Loyal had, so. Oh, nice, uh, nice. I don't know if you, you're up to date on them or if you've done any research on your own. Do you have any thoughts on those? Miguel Berry is the latest <laughs> is the latest one, right? Uh, one three today. Yeah. Shucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They're like later in the afternoon. So I we barely I mean Alan did all the research, you know. Mm, I, I, I mm. know. Yeah, yeah, like right right when school's wrapping up. Chris, what are you drinking? You got your a smoothie today? Not, you know, I got water tonight, man. I uh, I had a, what did I have? It was lemon, apple, uh, kale, and parsley. So it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, no, it was so good. I killed eighteen ounces on the spot. Woof! Wow. Yeah, Dang. it was good. Yeah, the next one is a a beet a beet juice. It's Beets, carrots, green apples, and lemon. So, looking forward to that. Nice. I, I put it in the show notes, and someone asked on Twitter on yeah. Periscope. I was like, perfect. Oh, look at that! Looking, like I said, you guys can see me. I don't have to, you know, put the lamp on the table tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me look at these signings then, because. Yeah, and why? Why Chris looks at the signings. Uh, John Kempen's back. We knew this already. Uh, there were some issues with some injuries, I think, at Columbus. Uh, they brought him back after the return to play bubble MLS whoop-de-doo party, um, but then um, sent him back. We were glad he is back. Uh, no no diss to um, the our other two keepers, um, but having John Kempen back just gives us another great option. And he came up big a few times this weekend. Um, the other news um, is kind of what's been going down in sports lately and um, soccer specific. Um, the 
because of wildcat strikes, um, I refuse to call them um, boycotting because that's not what that was. It was um, people holding out their labor in order to put forward a cause uh, in the labor movement. We call that striking uh, and wildcat strike means that it is not league or union approved. It is something that is done by the players. We saw wildcat strikes a lot in education. Uh, the Red for Ed movement is an example of that, where it's not an officially voted strike by the union, um, but wildcat strikes are when large groups of people walk out of their job in order to raise awareness. Um, and the RSL owner came out with some pretty terrible takes on these wildcat strikes and um, basically, you know, was kind of upset with the players for uh, putting his financial interest at risk. And um, he essentially uh, was kind of forced to sell his team. Uh, so RSL is being sold, uh, which includes the NWSL side, as well as the USL Real Monarchs, uh, which is a team that we have seen before. Uh, so this is kind of a huge moment. This is kind of Donald Sterling-esque, uh, where a owner says things that he has no business saying um, and reflects poorly on the league. Um, it ref reflects uh, poorly on the, on the players and lacks respect for those players who are basically putting their jobs on the line um, and is then forcing to be sold. Uh, so I'm going to take a moment just to say um, my piece, uh, we had a Black Lives Matter show where we did really dig into some of these concepts and these topics. And while we're not going to rehash them here tonight, uh, you can go back and watch that show. It's, it's a pretty um, significant show, and it's one of my favorites that I've ever done. Um, but I'm just going to say that it's time for people who look like me to start to listen, but then also take action where they feel they need to take action. And I'm going to encourage you to look at policy because we can talk all we want about retraining um, and bringing in, you know, in a, like bias training, which hasn't seemed to work. And in San Diego, uh, I encourage you to do some research about uh, the percentage of stops that uh, San Diego Police Department does uh, in relationship to race and the bias trainings aren't helping. Uh, we need to start looking at policy and things that we can put in place to make sure that when anyone steps outside, they're free and they're safe uh, from any type of violence. Uh, when the government is the actor that is essentially judge, jury and executioner, there's a problem there. And when people say there's a problem, it's not us up to us to get defensive. And I know that's our natural response to get defensive. And that's the natural, that's how I felt as well. Just remember, take a breath. Hey, this isn't about us as individuals. Hey, this is about our community and making sure that everyone in our community feels safe going outside, interacting with the government officials that are there to keep them safe. And right now there's a group, there's groups of people who feel unsafe and mistreated by our government. And to me, that's where I draw the line. Mm -hmm. If you are an official actor of the government, you have to live to a higher standard, which means there's going to be increased oversight, 
which means there's going to be um, and in San Diego, they're pushing to have more oversight of our local police and the sheriff. And with that being said, sheriff's elections are incredibly important. The only one right now who can hold a sheriff accountable is you. Yeah. And by voting. Hey, there's no city council that overlooks San Diego Sheriff's Department. And I encourage you to research our sheriff's department in relationship to mental health. The fact that more people die in San Diego Sheriff County prisons in San Diego than in L.A. Because mental health is an issue. Suicide is an issue. Mm -hmm. And then how the San Diego Police Department interacts with the community. Mm-hmm. Do some research. Yeah. Don't. I, yeah. Go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, I definitely echo that sentiment in terms of the the local politics being way more impactful in our daily life. And I think we have a lot of more power in that sense um, to make change if, you know, if that's what you need to do, you know, and, um, you know, I'm always like, vote, <laughs> you know, vote at your you know, at your love at your local level, at your city council, you know, go to city council meetings. They're open for everyone. I mean, I don't know about now. They were, you know, so it's like get involved, do as much research as you can, because I think it's, uh, you know, I think the mainstream media, and I don't want to go on a tangent, goes on very high level things that like really don't affect the lower level that we're all experiencing every day, you know, so. That's just my thing, but that's another show. <laughs> right. So. I'll just add that this isn't just one group of people's fight. This is for all of us. Right. Okay? And we all have a role to play. Um, and we all have a spot yeah. to fill in and listen and support if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. Um, but I would suggest yeah. trying not to be defensive, but yeah. rather be uncomfortable and be okay with being uncomfortable and challenge your worldview because I promise you at the other end, there's a there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to be uncomfortable and you're willing to read things that challenge your worldview and have conversations that challenge your worldview and talk to people that you don't talk to, it's an eye-opening experience and you walk out better educated to make those decisions about who you uh, vote and elect locally, the policies that they put in place. And because we have to stop or start caring about those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. You said it for me. <laughs> you said it. Chris, do you have anything to add? Is he there? I don't know. He's, He's pondering. Frozen. He's pondering. Yeah. You're muted. Yeah, I was muted. Okay. I, thought I, I thought I unmuted it. Um, yeah, no, I will say this. Um, for me, like, like last week with this kind of stuff happening, like I was so mentally drained for it. Mm-hmm. Like I had no sort of desire to want a podcast about this topic, mm-hmm. not because it's not important, but because so much went into the first time around mm-hmm. And it's really crazy to have to relive it. Like, it's like re-experiencing the trauma. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's it's happening too often and too on the regular. Um, and so to me, nothing is won if 
it's still me talking about the conversation. Nothing is won if allies are still just listening because ultimately you don't, you're not going to see any change until the non-black folks are at the table for a discussion until when someone is called upon to speak out in the name of, uh, or speak out in the name of anti-racism until someone who isn't of black skin is like willing to come and speak out and share personal experiences, are we going to see those small little victories, you know? And, and, you know, I was having this conversation with a friend, like folks are worried to come and speak out and share. Sorry. Folks might be kind of worried about, um, well, I don't know if I can say anything or if it's my place, but this time around, it is your place. This time around, it's like, you know, we're hoping that you've been educated by us some, or at least that we've kickstarted your own self-discovery so that you'll be the one who's kind of reading up on it or, you know, or opening your, your eyes or tuning your lenses to see something differently. Like, to me, like I subscribe to publications, like I read The Athletic, and it is very defeating to me when I roll into the comments and people are, you should stick to sports, or I don't see what could have been accomplished from postponing a match or a game. And, you know, and I actually engaged the guy in, in one of the posts and was like, you know, the, the self-education is what is important. I go, what they're going to do in that two days, you're going to have to wait and see. But if you're just coming at it from the top, like, well, I don't see what you could do not playing. Playing is your platform. And it's like, well, but to do something in part of that and in, in, in the face of it. So let's take your attention off of sports for this two days. And in these two days, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, and we encourage you to do something of the same, like, you know, like get informed, you know, everyone, everyone on the other side of the fence always claims that they have a black friend or they have black friends. So they want you to talk to them and why don't you find out like exactly what's going on? Because just claiming that you have black friends, but truly not even engaging in conversation in a conversation where maybe you're going to be vulnerable. Maybe, Hey, I want to learn something. Hey, I don't want to, my goal isn't to walk away and justify my points or just stick other distractions in the conversation. My point is to go to another person, find out their hurt and see how we together can, you know, can nullify that, you know, and it's not an overnight thing, but discussions got to be had. Yeah. And I mean, well said as always. Um, I know we're all on a little bit different part of this journey together. Um, and you know, if you need someone to go on that journey with you, I did a book couple of summer book read this summer, you know, I'll set aside some time and we'll read something together and we'll have some discussions and we'll talk about and, and learn together. So if, mm -hmm. if I'm offering that space, um, let us know. Um, 
Yeah, avoid the problems, deny his existence. Yeah, if my toilet's leaking and I just deny that my toilet's leaking, it doesn't fix the toilet. I know that's a terrible analogy, yeah. uh, but it's, it's. I mean, if you just ignore it and never talk about it, it doesn't solve anything. Yeah. In fact, it makes it worse because now you have someone who's hurting that we can't help or engage with or figure out how we solve that problem. Right. <sighs> well, especially because we're being intentional, right? Like. Mm -hmm. People are being intentional right now with this, with trying to really explain because they feel like people are genuinely asking what's going on. So if if two months goes by and a person has a comment that sounds like something that they asked back in June, you know what I mean? And here we are in September. Like, I'm like, dude, were you really listening to me or were you not? Like, are you only listening to me now? Because now, finally, after six months, you realize that this is an issue. Like, it's been an issue. You know what I mean? And so to me, like, I personally feel disrespected, you know, by folks that that aren't, like, trying to actually listen and make change, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's your that's your feeling. I think it's a it's a it's a tough conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. And um, I think, you know, I don't know how we can. I think if we, you know, me personally, I can you know have more conversations, whether they're private conversations or Twitter conversations or whatever. I just think it's, you know, I think it's also about listening and hearing what you have to say and not trying to defend or uh, counter what you might say. And I think a lot of people feel that that's what conversation is. It's about, well, tell me your point. Well, I'm going to counter your point, you know, like a debate instead of a conversation, you know, so. Yeah, it's all about, it's all going to be about the heart. And it's yeah. all going to be about whether or not the person's truly seeking to, to understand and truly seeking to walk away with something greater or not. Mm -hmm. And let's, yeah, let's talk about this. That's a good question. Good, good uh, yeah. question. I think that's Glenn, right? Uh, you think USL is handling it right? Each league is a bit different. Um, yes and no. I think it's, <laughs> I know that's a crappy answer, but I think just like, what we've talked about the good and the bad with USL is it's very team to team. And he said, si, senor. Um, I, I think there are teams out there that are doing it right. And I know we talk about Ford Madison a lot, uh, but, be, but I think that's a team out there. That's, that's walking the walk. Um, I think though there are teams that are out there doing it and it's not just performative. Um, Cause it's nice to like meet at the center circle and, and, and stay silent for a minute and 46 seconds. Uh, I would like some teams to step up and do more. They came out with like their black squares and they came out with their whatever, but there's some teams that are really trying to make a push and change what they're doing and be more inclusive, but also engage and invest in their communities. And so there are teams out there that are doing it, but as a league, uh, I would say no. I would say as a league, I think they're relying on their teams to do the right thing. And what we saw in uh, in Real uh, with the Real Monarchs and Real Salt Lake, uh, 
that's where you get into those issues of some teams are just ignorant and they're going to spout off. Uh, I can't imagine a USL club refusing to play. Uh, I know some players did. There's some players that didn't play. Um, Matt, I don't know. Well, Matt Watson didn't refuse to play. He just didn't feel emotionally um, composed to be able to really give his full focus of Indy 11. Um, I'll touch on this real quick then. So, yeah. like, um, we're want the the kind of thought is, and this is this is my take on it is, we want the players, we want the players to be intentional. We want the players to take action. Why do I say that? Because clubs have done their due diligence, some of them, to roll out programs like, like say, loyal against racism t-shirts, or they took their alternate jersey and made it Black Lives Matter. Like, you're already getting a corporate feel from the club, and you're already getting the league supporting it with little graphics like United Against Racism or United commercials in the middle of the of the broadcast. So you're already seeing the league. But honestly, again, like from my vantage point, like, you know, being the black man in the middle of the conversation is that, like, I want to see the players actually do something authentic, you know, and and locally, I know they'll be able to do more things locally, authentic for their given market, if you will. But on a bigger level, you have the Black Players Alliance that some things are going to streamline through the Black Players Alliance. And right now, they're even still giving them kind of options on how they choose to address it until it seems more uniform. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, I was I was going to point that out as well. I think some of the leagues started to form these coalitions to give support, but also like help give a unified voice to an underrepresented group, which is weird to think. Like when you think athlete, you're like, well, I mean, you know, most athletes are black, right? That's like a a racist assumption. Right. But when you look at like the strength of the voice, like there's a lot of strength in unity. And the Black Players Alliance of the USL is one of those groups that are like, no one's going to do it for us. We're going to do it ourselves and we're going to own it. And we're going to give a platform. We're going to give suggestions. We're going to highlight successes that other groups can then take and build upon. Because yeah. I think that's part of the problem is like, where do you start with some of the work? And that's like that first step of just getting something started. And the best way to get something started is to have someone model it for you and then you do it yourself. Well, um, well, and the USLBPA, like essentially, I mean, it it's it works or operates kind of like the players, the players um, alliance in a situation or a players association in the sense that so now if you have players that are coming here, uh, say foreign players, players from like Africa or Jamaica, and let's just say, you know, they don't have, they're not benefited by some of the same amenities that local players or players stateside have, right? Mm -hmm. So the Black Players Alliance then is going to be like talking to the person at, you know, USLPA being like, hey, and while you're negotiating this, don't forget about this for 
these black players that are from Jamaica or, you know, uh, Ghana or where have you, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's going to do more for them than just necessarily operate in only this capacity. This is just the first way. And they are so brand new. It literally is like they bought a space, put a fridge and a fan in there and they still got to figure out, you know, it's not like a whole business that's ready to launch as a soft launch. Do you know what I mean? Like they just knew that they needed to at least operate, put this out there because the time is now they felt like that was the thing they needed to do, you know, and just talking to some of the members of like the team here, they felt like they needed to at least do something. And cause they've had this thing around for two weeks under underneath the radar, you know, how they couldn't have known that Jacob Blake was going to happen. So this definitely probably sped up their timelines to establish themselves. Yeah. It's always those. If I am going on at to, a, if I'm going to a bargaining table, I'm bringing my own experience to that bargaining table. And why we might have as a, you know, if there's athletes, we might have a similar, no one asked you, uh, a similar understanding of what it is to be an athlete, but we don't have a similar understanding in the needs of specific populations. And having that voice is super important to make sure that that voice is represented when you go to a bargaining table, when you interact with management, that having that extra support or that extra voice allows that representation to happen. And it's something that we've, we're seeing a lot in the union circles is a conscious effort to make sure that there are a diverse group of people in the room who make decisions. And you do that by broadening that circle and then bringing in people who can represent groups that you can't represent, right? Like if I'm going to a bargaining table, I can represent white male music teachers. And that's my perspective. And so when I go to a bargain, a contract, I have an idea of what it's like, but I don't know what it's like to be a kindergarten teacher. And we do so much work to make sure we have the kindergarten taken care of the elementary, the middle school, the high school, the specialists. And we start and we, we make sure we have all these things set up, but we almost, I shouldn't say almost, but we usually forget that there's a lot more that people are bringing to the table than just their jobs. They're not just soccer players. They're soccer players who walk through their lives as the, as humans. And there are things that we need to keep in mind to, to make sure when we go into those, those rooms that we are understanding and we have someone there that can understand and bring that. Like they tweeted out, um, we have to support each other and educate those who are willfully or otherwise ignorant of the day-to-day impact that being a black person in America has on us as athletes. Like that's just super, like that's one of the reasons why they got founded because like we could talk about soccer, but when they walk off the pitch, they're black men in America. And that brings a whole set of issues with it. So I would advocate for you to give them a follow when they're doing something locally that you can get involved with, do it when they're doing something nationally, get involved and do what you can in your own space to make sure we're supporting uh, those players. Yeah. Like, Cause understandably it's, it's sorry to cut you off, but understandably like, like they're, 
like the local players in your club will be like members, like they'll have a membership, right? And then there will be other players that obviously want to be allies. Like that'll happen. It'll be somewhat inclusive. And I wanted to, what does he say here? Um, some of these guys are just for paycheck. So like, yeah, let's touch on that. Like, so, you know, um, I, I had a, up here. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I did a Q and a with like, you know, like a USL championship player here this week. And, and we talked about, you know, obviously like, you know, USL championships or the, as a league, the response and, you know, the way it was kind of likened to me at the time was, you know, obviously like, NBA, MLB, MLS, like all these are bigger or WNBA, they're, they're these bigger platforms and, you know, them being able to postpone is because of so much of the, the buying power they have and the stock they have, you know, and things. And, 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 you know, and if you think about it, like later that day, like the NHL didn't because they didn't feel they had enough time to mull it around. And then they made right by connecting with the hockey to, diversity alliance and then they postpone those matches so that could happen like because they they're a big platform too but this player was saying that um that the usl wasn't a big enough league or you know that because it's like kind of a tier two professional that it didn't seem like well if they postpone matches who's going to miss them because you know there's kind of this sort of crowd or fan base that's built in like most folks that were MLS fans, unless their team had a second team or, you know, unless they just really love soccer, I, I can almost bet that they probably MLS and maybe like they like uh, Liga MX or maybe they like, you know, something across the pond. But, you know, you got to think like a lot of us before we had a USL team weren't probably USL fans. Like, I mean, I didn't watch USL. <laughs> and so, so how, they didn't really have that sort of buy-in, right? But then, but then now the other thing that's controversial or not controversial is con contrary to that is that a team like Forward Madison, who's in, yeah, you are, and then uh, uh, the uh, that's contrary to that is that Forward Madison is like in a lower division, and the contracts are definitely lower. I mean, these guys don't have guaranteed contracts. They're not sitting on three year, five million or, you know, anything crazy like that, but they, they still stood up to postponing that match. And I mean, both teams got to agree on it and they're going to replay it. Um, so to me, it kind of challenges my mindset to go, well, now if a USL league one team, if two of these teams postpone their match, be it because they're close by and that was, an immediate need or because that's the right thing to them to do, then, then everyone else to say, Oh, well, what, what good would have come from us postponing it? Like, it seems like a very closed minded sort of thought process because they're going to, yes, they're going to stand in the circle for a minute, 46 seconds, as Alan said, and we know soccer is a game that does not, stop there are no timeouts other than these hydration breaks for covid like the time is all precious what could a team be doing at minute seven they could be mounting a score they could be building up to score right so 
those those that minute and 46 seconds is stopped there we know the time is added back on somewhere else but the fact of the matter is like they're taking the time from any of those things that might seem so important to the game that they love and putting it in place for something else that is even far far more important than that you know um i i do still think and this is just my take is i do challenge the way all these usl championship teams thought about whether or not postponing a match would do any with do anything uh for this i think that they could have um i think that that was their time to stand in solidarity with bigger leagues and to be recognized and i think that that by not doing that they definitely keep continue to keep themselves in that sort of viewpoint that they're a small league with no power yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i definitely would i mean i guess being so close to con connected to loyal and usl like i kind of expected them to do something more but i mean you can't really expect that when when i mean like glenn brought up like the paycheck thing you know like is there guaranteed money like i don't know i don't know that's like way above my pay grade but i think it's definitely um you know i think well, it's like we would have admired it i would have admired it more i guess if they would have been you know kind of aligning with um you know the other and I don't know if that means because it was like three days later, like, could they have done anything? I mean, I, you know, I know that it's not something that's only two days, right? Right. Like, obviously. But, you know, maybe that crossed their mind. Like, are we making the statement just because we're doing it or like, what can we do in the, in that two days? Well, the, the, the two matches that are postponed were Saturday and Sunday matches. Mm -hmm. So, like decisions could have been made probably in the wake of the initial thing. Mm -hmm. So it seems like maybe like the USL matches that happened that night, there was, I think there were what five matches that happened that Wednesday and, you know, nothing popped out there. I think yeah. that, I think that, I don't know if they were waiting. I don't know what they were doing, but they, to me, like so many things contradict because, you're a league that wanted to have all of your own matches in home tournaments. You wanted to define, you wanted to not do the bubble. You wanted to show that it could be done in the market. So you kind of set a precedent there as we're seeing through all the protocol. And maybe I think the bubble is still a good idea, but like, so you kind of go out and do something different. And we know through the return to play and much of the stuff that the USL mirrored the MLS on a lot of stuff up until the actual return to play. Like everything that MLS did, the USL was like a, a day behind. Like we're, it was like they were talking to each other, obviously, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so just along those lines, I mean, we hope for more. I know we can't expect that, you know, as fans, but we hope that the teams – do consider it because I mean I could see it to a point where I think supporters and supporter culture will will certainly honor the moments and certainly uh, assert themselves. Yeah, and I I think that's the other point too is this isn't just on the clubs. I think the supporters group, the supporter culture, uh, have a place to play in all of this. Um, and in I mean I do want to shout out locals donating 
$200 to the block education fund. And that came out of Featherstone Flamingos. Um, and I, I think that there's a role there that is going to be more powerful than, you know, if SD loyal does something, but when the locals stand up and say as a group that we're going to do something and, and really rally that collection of individuals, I think is going to be a more powerful movement. If you take all 400 and something locals and really say, you know, as a group, we're going to do something. Um, I think that's where we start to see some of this movement. Cause I think you're right. Like clubs can do so much, but I think this is going to need to be more than just the clubs wearing a kit. This is black lives matter and us buying it and be like, all right, I've my job's done. My shirt says black lives matter. I'm good. I think it's going to take conversations. I think it's going to take supporters culture um, and the supporters groups to really have those conversations with each other and, and really do the work of building that community. Um, and I do want to tip my hat to some of the things that the locals are doing. Um, and I would just encourage them to continue doing that work um, and continue to have those opportunities to engage in discussions about more than just the beautiful game. Like we are here because of that, but it's also about the community that those teams represent and like loyal. That's what they pitched themselves as, is a, you know, a reflection of the community. So now is the time for us to really buy into that as fans and supporters and use those collections of humans to really get together and try to push some things in the right direction. Cause teams are only going to do so much. Players are only going to do so much, but if players and supporters groups can get together, I think there's a lot of people involved in those two groups that can really make some substantive changes. Um, and it's not going to happen. It's not like I'm going to wake up on September 2nd and all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be like birds singing at my window, like I'm a Disney princess. But <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, we, we have to, we have to engage with each other in a way like an open and honest conversation. Um, yeah. And the league is only going to do so much. We can only count on the league to do so much. We can only count on the teams to do so much. Um, but I, I think if the supporters and the players get together, that's a pretty powerful group of people. Um, and yeah. tap into like labor groups, tap into these collections of people who feel the same way and, and, and get those bridges built. Um, do we want to talk about what's going on tomorrow? What's going on with um, playoffs? I mean, I, I I was looking at the table right now, looking at the, the point values. Yeah, I mean, um, I think this boils down to two things. Uh, <laughs> Orange County plays LA twice, Wednesday and Saturday. I think those two games have huge playoff implications for Loyal. Because both teams right now are eight games, 15 points. So another 24 points total. So 39 is the most, but both teams could, well, you know, 39 is the amount of points that either team could earn if they went out. Um, I would say San Diego is kind of the outside looking in right now. If this was like uh, college basketball, they would be out of the bubble. Um, cause LA has decided they want to win games and San Diego hasn't. Um, I think the realistic path is, um, 
Orange County and LA beat each other up and draw. Even if they draw, LA still has five points, and then we have to beat LA. So whoever loses those games, you got to beat those teams moving forward. Um, and yeah, look, look, look at this. Like on points alone, Phoenix could not win. Went out. Like even if they win the rest of their matches, and say, say Galaxy goes on a straight run, Galaxy could get the division. Now nah, there's no third places getting it. No third place clubs getting in. No, third no third place clubs. Just top two of every group, and top. Second place of B plays Group A, and this is where that second place, like Phoenix, went to Reno and lost. Um, so Phoenix is going to be fighting for that number one spot. Orange County is going to be fighting for that number one spot. You get that number one spot, you get Sacramento. Um, <laughs> LA is going to be fighting for that number one spot because LA and Orange County both have two games in hand and only back five points. So if either of those two teams win out the next two matches because they play each other, they're going to be 10 games and 21 points, which is nine more than San Diego has. Really needed to get points <laughs> during that, that streak of losses. Like, these least yeah. something to stay in it. Yeah. And as far as, like, success of the season, I think when the groups came out, we were hopeful that we would sneak into a second place. Uh, in reality... I think finishing third at this point would be a huge success. Um, considering where we're at right now. Considering yeah. where we are at right now. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. essentially six games left, and you need to get as many points as you can. Um, we have, I would say, probably three of the best six teams in the West, way LA is playing right now. Uh, we got New Mexico, you got Reno, Sacramento's okay. Phoenix, LA, OC, and San Antonio. Um, I think if either if I think if Phoenix wasn't in our group, we'd have a decent shot of pulling something off. It was a group of four with just kind of the California and Vegas, uh, but it's an uphill battle. And if we make it to playoffs, it'll be a miracle. A miracle. Um, but was that an echo? Was that an echo? Miracle. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're having a great time, Harry. We just mentioned how good San Antonio is. We spent two seconds on it, and that's all we're going to spend on San Antonio. Um, what up, Harry? Bag me up some of that sand on the field. <laughs> um, so there are four Group B matches this week. San Diego's involved in one of them. Uh, Orange County and LA is two of the four, and then Las Vegas and Phoenix. Um, so how are we feeling? OC, LA. Uh, I think they're both in Orange County. Hmm. Uh, let me look. Yeah, OCLA. Yeah, both in Orange County. Back to back uh, matches. Back to back Wednesday and Saturday. I didn't say anything. Um, we're having a great evening, Harry. Um, do we think they're going to split these? Do we think OC is going to win both? Uh, how are you feeling about it, Marissa? Um. I think um, I never want LA to win, um, <laughs> but I think um, I mean I guess if we're looking long term and we do we we're kind of like settling for third because that's kind of like maybe where we'll end up. Um, I'd rather have OC in there than LA. So 
You think you're going to win both of them? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the the quick turnaround. I I don't think it's. I mean, I think you see things like on Wednesday. Whether whoever comes out on top on Wednesday will hopefully adjust for Saturday. So, I think it's just a draw between the two. I guess that's where I'm coming from. But you know, I've seen crazier things. So, Chris, um, I'm going to make my decision based on some something here. Uh oh. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, though. Um, I, I think that uh, OCLA draw the first match, and I think OC wins the second one. I think it's a repeat of the Phoenix matches, um, where OC is and LA play each other tough. OC and LA draw, uh, but they manage to pull out the win in the second match. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Are you writing this down? Because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, is he? Is he? Okay, so check this out, though, right? So according to FOTMOB, which you probably, I'm sure you've got yours yes. up, right? So Orange County, I mean, their their PPG is like one, right? Loyals is like 0.7. You know, and, and this truth be known... Like I, th- I think it matters that like because Loyal have not really ever had any any bang any blowout matches that you know we're still just trying to hope that they're gonna score a goal right like and that's just it's just the way it is so here's the thing to me I I would say and and OC is very defensive right they they could score early and then hold out the rest of the match or they mm-hmm. could score late and hold out too if if loyal is to win tomorrow, to me they have to play defense uh, the majority of the match. Like that's the only way they're gonna get that win. So they're gonna have to score in the first period, or even in the second for that matter, second half, and, and they're gonna have to hold out. Like you know, and give or t- and they're playing against a squad that at least gets one. So you know, to me, like the likeliness of San Diego winning both matches. Like I wouldn't, I don't think so. I don't think they win both. OC's playing LA twice. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I was, you're throwing me off for a minute there. Uh, no, you're good. All right. So then let me readjust. <laughs> Los dose. Los dose averages two goals a game. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, I think I would say, I think that OC can get one of the wins. Um, just their defense alone, because look at the way the OC plays against Phoenix, who averages almost three goals a game. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like they were able to obviously have solid defense on them. I've seen uh, Los Dos's run a play, and it's pretty. It's been pretty solid as of late. So I feel like I feel like nah, nah, Harry. I don't think they're draws on both. Um, I feel like Los Dos and OC will draw the first one. Right, only because like they're coming back to each other, they've had some key matches, you know, and they made some tweaks, and then I feel like the second match, um, go. I think the uh, <laughs> second match is gonna be. Um, I think Orange County gets it. I think Orange County gets that second match. Um, two one, but the first match, I want to say, 
I'm going to say 2-2 because I think it's explosive, but, you know. Um, next one, Las Vegas Phoenix on Saturday. Ooh. Rematch of the Thrilla in Vegas. I think it's where, a draw. Do you think, you think it's I, a draw? Man, I don't – okay, I think Phoenix can punish them because – because of the way that the Reno match was, Reno got over on them. You know, like they have not had good results in, a, in back-to-back weeks to their liking, to their standard. So I don't think it's going to happen the way it happened before. Um, gosh, man, I, I want to give it to Phoenix and say, Nadia, nah, I think they're going to squash Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is in Vegas again. So oh going to God. Vegas. So it's like legitimately a matchup. Um, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I, look, I want to say this. Like, I want to say like that. I think it's a draw. You know, I think the advantage goes to Vegas a little bit. They like they beat these guys, or sorry, they tied these guys. Um, and then the next day they beat, or the next match they beat OC, right? Yeah, three one. So In Vegas. Uh, so maybe maybe they're feeling good. Maybe I'd say it's a two-two draw. That's what, that's they, what I'm going with. Now they just signed a new striker. Who did? Vegas. Okay, who did they sign? Uh, they signed a striker with I think what two hundred appearances, uh, eleven-year MLS veteran and MLS Cup champion Quincy Amar. Sorry, Amariqua. What was his last squad? I am going to look that up right now. Okay. Uh, 2008, he was with MLS San Jose. Uh, 2013, with Chicago Fire. And over. Let me click on his name. Where's his name? So wow, I- come on, Vegas Lights. You can't even give me a good bio. So so um, while so while you're doing that, Harry, like, okay, I don't, I just don't think Phoenix rolls though, I, and the and the only reason why is because one of their back to back results, um, I mean, yeah, they're gonna get some things right, um, you know, I, I saw some some footage today on Owain Evans' uh, Twitter, Rick Schantz is talking about obviously how they got to fix mistakes. They can't make mistakes and not and not and leave them unfixed. Whether or not that's gonna happen or not is gonna be based on whether or not um, you know they they really did anything with that. You know, Vegas has got back to back weeks of solid res- solid response for them, you know? And uh, and I think any team can can get the win, but you know, Vegas is a little hot right now, so I feel like it's a draw. Yeah, and we all know that going to Vegas is always I don't say crapshoot again. That's a terrible joke, but it is. Like it's <laughs> like weird happen in Vegas. It's a tiny pitch. Um I think Phoenix goes in there and tries to send a message and ends up winning. Um unless they get like twelve minutes of stoppage time and then Vegas will pull up a draw. Um, I'm going to say Phoenix is too much to, um, too, too much to lose in this match. 
Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb, and I know this is weird to say. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think Phoenix figures out a way to actually get by Vegas this time. Um, Brew, Brew's picking a draw. You just heard it here. Uh, Marissa, your OCLA picks again. Um, shit, what did I pick? Um, I'm going to go draw Wednesday and win OC Saturday. And for Loyal versus Las Vegas, I think. Let's do it. A 2-1 Loyal. I have faith. 2-1 Loyal. Chris, what do you got on Vegas, San Diego? Vegas, San Diego. Mm. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just this PPG is, kill- is killing me here. 1-1. Um, one, one. Draw. Yeah, one one draw. I am also gonna go on a crazy limb, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna put some positive energy out into the world. Mm-hmm. I, I think we get a goal finally, where we have a good setup, we have a good finish, we put one in. Vegas gets one back, uh, and then we steal it right at the end, like we did against Tacoma. I'm going to pick a 2-1 win. And I know that's going to probably hurt me because I think that's going to be bad news bears. Um, But I'm going to pick a 2-1 win. I'm sending out positive energy into the universe. (laughs) Um, I think we piss off. We go in there. Vegas is going to overlook us. They're going to be focused on Phoenix. uh, And we're going to go in there and surprise them and sneak away with a 2-1 victory. And then, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, are the new players available this week? So we have not got that confirmed. It says pending league approval for the announcements, but I'm assuming because they announced them, they're hoping to get them cleared so some of them can get some minutes on the weekend. Because I will say this, now having looked at them a little bit, like the the Guida or Guido? Guido. You know that's uh, that pickup is solid. Yeah, it's a good uh, one. and and you know what, Alan? I think I do remember the the gentleman that we had on the show from one of the um, lower league clubs. I think it was just the San Diego club when we had him on that one night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do remember him kind of maybe saying something about this guy maybe being around that area like as their clubs were kind of coming about, like mm-hmm. I want to say that that this was that, that guy. Um, and then the fact that the other players are, you know, so two of them from Dorado's one from like uh, Tijuana. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, that's some good experience right there. Like yeah. mm-hmm. legitimately is some good experience. I, I think it's great that they signed a couple of defenders and a striker, obviously, you know, in conversations that we're having, Offline too is that you know loyal needs obviously some something more up front. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, need, they need a good chance to actually put some goals in, and then in fact, like you know, having some some new defenders out there, some more defensive minded players. Um, you know that that's definitely going to help. I, I wonder. I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, how well did Landon put together? the team from a defensive mind point or did he put it together from an attacking mind point? Meaning, you know what I mean? Meaning, uh, 
you know, is the reason why you're not seeing a whole lot of scoring is, is because the attacking players are having to kind of play, you know, more defense yeah. than they should. We will see tomorrow. I'm excited with all the new players. Hopefully they get to play. I don't know about you, Alan. Um, yeah. And Harry, I know that uh, mm-hmm. says they have to be in quarantine. Uh, I know they've been with the team um, prior to this. They're just announcing them now. Uh, I know they've trained with the team already. So I think that they've been cleared through all of the medical stuff. Um, but holy crap, we've gone long. Yes. But it was well worth it. Marissa, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me at hashtag Marissa on Instagram and Twitter. How about you, Chris? You can find me at by Chris Walker at on um, Instagram and Twitter. And you, Alan? You can find me at Underwood48 on the Twitter machine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for staying with us for the hour 13. Uh, much love. Um, and uh, enjoy watching the match tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, it's on Fox this week. So remember. Yeah, because it's midweek. Yes. All right. Have, have a wonderful evening. Bye. See you guys. Bye. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.